0: being here. Thanks for joining us today. First, Lord, we open up the Word of God. I love that the Bible says that the Word of God is alive and powerful, right? It's a source of enlightenment, creation, reveals Christ is to us, and we're going to jump back into the Word today, so we pray and God, thank you again for your Word. Thank you, Lord, as we Unpack your word God, gives us life. Lord, that scripture doesn't say that the word alive and powerful and subtle and to make it, it divides the flesh faith, and the spirit. Lord, we thank you for that. We ask that you that to be able to use the to spirit a lot of Jesus. amen. Um, if you are new with us here, we're going to a sermon series called The Last sermon. So I just wanted to read it. It's the last sermon that we look at that Jesus spoke to so over a 24-hour period. And uh, I just figured we'll move on the last summer. The things that he did, the things that he did, he just had to have the last to put out before he would die. Um, the, the Gospel of John, he listed it. John chapter 13, verse 17, before he's invested. Once again, the other Gospels give us a little glimpse so that he was... In the, uh, in, the, in the room with the society the, the, they, they share the, the meal together, the communion meal, to the point that He was the cost Lamb. We're going to actually have communion at the end of the church today. It's a fitting day to do that. But um, the things that Jesus, what was He instilling into the like ultimately, uh, also to us, what was He instilling into our hearts before He would be arrested and die? What does He say? Why does He say it? What does he do and why does he do it? he was preparing them to be the church. He was preparing them for where he would um, rise from the dead and sin and the holster would come down and the church that began. And those would be, these words are to us. So we will just in John 13, we're going to jump into John chapter 14 and I'll keep looking at one of the most important passages of Scripture in, in the entire Bible. It's one of the declarations, the claims of Christ that he makes of himself. And I think that there's a few passages where all of Christianity kind of hinges on those passages. And in fact, one would be Corinthians 15 where Paul is talking about that Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, you know, there's a, there's a, the reality is that if he did not rise from the dead, he here are to be all pity, right? It all be false, but because he rose from the dead, it confirms who he said he is." And so, this passage here also is one of those ten key passages of Scripture, foundational, one of the foundation things to be followers of Jesus. It's a well-known Scripture; you will probably be familiar with it. But it contains, I believe, one of the most emphatic statements about Jesus, declaring who he is. And it also is a passage, that begins as a passage of hope and promise, and we'll get into that in a moment, but people are looking for answers in day, right? They're looking for hope. They're looking for peace in the midst of a world of chaos. And just like we're going to see the disciples, it was a very vulnerable time for the disciples. They didn't completely get everything that Jesus was talking about, that he was going to die, they did but their world was kind of chaotic at the moment. And it would get even more chaotic when, even you know, when they became the church, all ultimately they would all but one of them, John and all other than that, they would all die, die martyrs' deaths. And so they would need to hang on to the words that Jesus say to them in this passage. But in a world of chaos where people are looking for political answers, and if you don't think that's true, just watch the news for five minutes. And after you get disgusted, turn it off and they watch it for another period Right? There's some, a lot of political, political banter, right? And the line is drawn in the sand and then people, uh, people have opinions. If you haven't noticed. But I think it boils down to where, where are our eyes, where is, where is our whole place? It's people looking for political um, solutions, they're looking for social solutions, and, you know, and, and all these are spiritual problems, and our world seems to be even more in a chaotic mess. The refugee crisis and all this going on, when you hear of Syria, we hear of Iran, you hear of Russia, we hear, all of these things in our world is chaotic, but it also can boil down to very personal things, maybe it's the personal world is chaotic. And, and, and again, you'll see the disciples that they would, they would go into some very personal struggles. Or remember, Jesus said that you will, will, they'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. You guys will leave me. And they did that. And there was these personal struggles. And maybe, again, you're here. And it's maybe more personal things. And maybe you're not that worried about the world things and the chaos of the world. But maybe it's very personal things. And maybe your, your own world, your own heart is in a place that chaotic spin. But ultimately, people are looking for answers. People are looking for hope. And Jesus stepped in to his disciples at this vulnerable hour less than 24 hours before he would be arrested. And he says the following words, John 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. you believe in God? Believe also in you My father's house is made in room that the valley places. If that were not so, well, I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. I love that promise. And then he kind of sets this, the ball on the tee a little bit. He begins to look at the question. He says, you know the place, you know the way to the place where I know it. Of course, he knew the disciples because of all of this talk about denying and crucifying and being turned on them. the so Thomas types up, says to we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now again, in context, this is right before he is to be arrested and crucified. He's been telling them all along. He's kind of been preparing them that he was going to be arrested that he would die. And again, they were—they still couldn't get their heads and their hearts around what he was saying. They had seen him walking with power. They saw his authority to teach. They saw his authority to heal the sick, raise the dead make bread and fish and feed 5,000 plus people They would see him walk in great things and great authority and so then the mindset for them was you're talking about being arrested and dying that doesn't make a lot of sense to us you're, you're, you're more powerful than that and so they, they, they had the, kind of a mindset of their plan and, and, and thinking that we're on your team and we've seen you do these things you could speak a word and, and then this whole thing would be over and we would win but what Christ was doing was a profound way, a kingdom way to bring in great victory would look like great defeat, but it would end in great victory for all of us. And so they, they're struggling here. Remember at the end of 13, chapter 13, he says, one said, Be me, Talking about Judas. Peter said, I'll never turn on you and I'll never deny you. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me? And so... Their hearts are troubled. Their spirits are troubled at this time. And He was again talking about leaving and going away, and and it troubled Can so you imagine you're with Jesus and He tells you that He's going to leave you, and you would be like the you know, the kid, like wrapping around his dad's leg, and, and he's he and you. Take you. take wherever you're going. And so their hearts are troubled. they about leaving. Going away. And again, this is not just a message to them. This. this is a message to us. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, Jesus. If you believe also in me. I'm talking about what? i taught talking about the kingdom. And you believe the reality of God. You've seen the power of God through me. Believe in me. Because there are plenty of things in this life that can give us a troubled heart. And we walk in seasons of troubled heart and anxiety and stress and circumstances that are out of our control. Maybe sinful choices that we're reaping the consequences of, hurts, pains, relational issues, financial issues, physical issues. And Jesus steps right into our brokenness and he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm here. I'm what you need. You believe in God, believe in me. I'm the answer to your troubled heart. And then he gives them this eternal promise, and the love to Go back to that. No matter how bad things get, know that this life isn't all there is. That's what he's saying. No matter what happens in this life, no matter how bad things might get, it is temporary. They were going to need to hang on to this promise. Can you think? you Fast forward years later when these guys are dying, we have historical things where Peter is crucified upside down. One of the disciples is collated with knives, slowly torturously because they are not one until you can faith. Uh, they are going through all kinds of trouble. And I imagine the words of Jesus when they are there in those vulnerable moments and they are going through suffering. Don't let your hearts be troubled. This will soon be over and you will be with me in to face. And He's giving this eternal promise not just to them, but to us. In My Father's house, there dwelling places. It's real. And I love that He says this, if it weren't true, I would have told you. By Jesus saying it, He says I'm not giving you empty promises. I'm not just telling you this, that yeah, there's this great heaven in the sky when you look on a cloud and play a harp turn into some baby. I don't know why those pictures are that always. But he said it's a real kingdom. It's a a real place that exists because before sin, mankind was created to live forever and ultimately we will live forever. Though this shell may decay and go away, it's not the real us. Our souls will live forever. And that's what he says. "If, if If it weren't true, I would have told you. Heaven is a reality. Eternity is a reality, based on what? The words of Jesus. He's, he's making a statement here. The words of Jesus. He's telling us that it's real. Life doesn't end when this life is over. And with Jesus, this life on earth, when you are following Jesus, your life belongs to Jesus. The life of this life on this earth is as bad as it will ever be. Isn't that good news? Without Jesus, the life on this earth is as good as i That's the bad news. See, ultimately, the gospel, the good news you heard me say, that the only way you can receive the good news is to understand there's bad news. And if I don't understand that I'm under judgment because of my sin and I deserve judgment and understand the bad news, I can't understand the good news. If I think I'm basically pretty good, I'm all that in a bag of chips. Um, I can't understand fully what Jesus did for me and the good news of salvation, but Jesus is giving an, an eternal promise, and then He says, if, if I'm going to prepare a place for you to He says, "I will come back and take you to be with me, that you can be where I am." Isn't that cool? And so, if we die from this life, if if, 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 we, if we, if our life to exist before the new Christ, one day He's coming, to you, coming back. And he, He also said that too before He, when He was rising up, none of the time to it, and remember the disciples were watching, and and the angels came and said that this same Jesus who came, was leaving, He will come back. I mean, like, He is coming back. But even if He doesn't, and we die from this life, and we belong to Him promises. He says, have to have a very place for you. And my Father says, plenty of room for you. And I will come and you can be where I am. We to be with Jesus having forever. Eternal life in Christ. And again, would need to hold on to that promise. Knowing that they were going to go through. And that's where Jesus had been able to speak that eternal hope promises. No matter what you're going through. No matter how bad the circumstances are no matter what you might face in this life, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. It's only temporary. And we need to hold on to those promises at different times in our life. So he gives them this promise to like the reality of reality and having He makes, I think, one of the most bold declarations ever. Again, he says this, you know the way and the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, well, we don't know where you're going, so how can you know the way and Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And again, I believe all of Christianity hangs, this is one of two statements. all of Christianity hangs on this statement of Christ. What was Jesus saying? He was making an exclusive statement of himself. We're going to look at the three things that he says. He says, I am the way. Not a way. He did not say, I'm one of many ways. He said, I am the way. It was, Jesus used this definitive article to to say, I am the absolute only way. It was an absolute statement. To distinguish himself as the only way. A way where he's... Where, where, listen, the word that he used the way as a path or a route. And the disciples expressed their confusion about where he was going and how they could follow. And as he told them from the beginning, Jesus was saying again, remember when he first called them? He says, follow me. And he says to us, follow me. Follow me. I want, I want you to be my following. And by saying, I'm the way He was declaring Himself as the only path to salvation In the words of Jesus. There are no other paths, there are no other ways to have it, to, cry, to to the Father. And so there aren't many roadways to heaven when Jesus makes this statement. It doesn't matter what other religions say. It doesn't matter how sincere other Christians might be. Jesus said, He is the only way. That was His statement, not mine. And some of their culture, even there's some people that are in, in, in certain, maybe Christian denominations that are open to the idea that there are more than one way, that would not be, you're not, you're not following what Christ declared of Himself. And I understand what culture said. This is very narrow-minded, Right? Well, what did Jesus say? He said, "Narrow is the way that leads to life." Jesus would agree. That's very narrow-minded, and Jesus would say, Yeah, it is. I mean, it's very narrow-minded. It's very narrow because narrow is the way that leads to life." What did John? What, what, what did Jesus say about himself in Second John? said, "I am the door." Right, that's one of his sentence, "I am the door." Well, no, I mean, and in, 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 in the Greek, he means door. There's, there's a good Greek word for him. It means when you come through the the only way into the sanctuary is through a door, and Jesus said there are not many doors. I am the door. He said the thief comes through the the window. The thief tries to. There are not many other other than routes. I am the door. I am the entrance to eternal life. It's interesting because back. Many years, like in the first-century church, they didn't even first call followers of Jesus Christians. That happened a little later. You know what they called them first? Followers of the Way. Isn't that interesting? Followers of the Way. They didn't call them Christians actually later on. Followers of the Way. So Jesus is saying, "I am the only Way." Then He said, "I am the Truth." Again, Jesus used a definitive article to emphasize himself as the absolute only truth. He's the only source of truth. Culture tells us that you can be your own truth. Come up with your own version of the truth. What truth for you may not be true to me. Here's the if there are many truths, there's no truth. right? There has to be a standard. That's why even people that are atheists or that don't believe in God, they have some sort of well, everybody has some sort of moral standard, right? It's not a free-for-all. Everybody has an absolute area where they will not cross. In other words, atheists, you can ask them, "What? why is it wrong to kill? And they will maybe talk about morality. Well, what's the source of morality? And you back up far enough, you have to have a standard. And Jesus to say, I'm the standard of truth. It's me. Not what you think it might be. What, no, it's not what culture tells you. It's not what the TV tells you. It's not what movies tell you. It's not what CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. Is said to get? Um, They don't declare the truth. I am the truth. I am the standard. If you find the truth of Christ in the Word of God, There are many truths, there's no truths. there's only one saying the truth, one source of absolute and that is Jesus. That's why the whole pilot, remember what he said. He said, for this reason I was born, and the a reason I came to testify the truth. I was going to testify of myself on who I am and why I came to find out in couple weeks when Jesus begins to talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit, he said he came to testify the truth. The Holy Spirit testifies of it Christ. It's one of the first things the Holy Spirit does. And then Jesus said, I am the life. And once again, an emphatic statement that he is the only source of life. So Jesus had been telling his disciples tell about his impending death, and now he was claiming to be the source of all life remember John 10 where he gives the the, the enemy John kiss he said the is to kill, steal, and destroy them. and the enemy comes out there. however he can kill, steal, and destroy us he will do that but Jesus said I have come that you might have life to the fullest I'm the source of life he even said that he said I, the, the, the good shepherd of himself will lay down his life and his seat. and then he can take it back up again life. So the deliverance he was about to provide was not political; it was not going to be social. Most of the Jews were seeking this kind of Messiah who would take political power over Rome. Remember, they were they were very oppressed by Rome, and Jesus didn't deal with political streams, but true deliverance from a life of bondage to sin. Brokenness and death to the life of freedom as eternal. That would be the life to be So, Jesus is the true source of life. Many of this world are looking for life. We're looking for hope. Again, we look for different things to, to bring that contentment and that peace and that joy. We do look for political things. We look for social. We look relational. That relationship can still only. It will never happen. It will never happen. A relationship is a gift from God, and it's never intended to be. Jesus, Christ alone is our source of life. Then He says this. Again, He's making this bold statement. No one comes to the Father except through Me, and the door, and the way. No one gets there. No one. No one means what? Exactly. exactly, you guys are traveling along with me. See, this is a southern church you guys would be talking to here earlier. Right come on now, come on. Preach it. About a year ago, I preached at the Teen Challenge uh, Chapel in the Twin Cities. There was about 300 people you guys have been here with the Teen Challenge Choir. Okay, so that's about 40 or 90 nine, times, That was fun. You know, I They were talking to me. I had this big group of, big group of minorities that so were and they were so, it's kind of like those in the 80s, You guys are awesome. You don't have to talk to me. Jesus said, No one comes to the Father except your way. There's no way to heaven. There's no way to go away except your life that's totally surrendered to the man Jesus Christ. And look at what Peter says on the just a couple scriptures that help us disappear in Acts. Remember, the birthday of the church is Acts 2, Acts 3. Peter preaches Acts 4. He's before the stampede he's speaking out about Jesus being cast, right? and they're wanting to know why are you doing this for And Jesus says something out 4, 11, and Jesus. Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected. And you're right, he them the builders because you know, they, they were the Pharisees, they obeyed the, the, the Old Testament law and the recesses built it. But you missed out that you, all along you've been talking about Jesus and you didn't even know that. They never are rejecting the very one. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has now become the cornerstone salvation is found in what? Say it. No one else. For there is no other name. There is no other name than the wonderful, beautiful, maxless name of Jesus under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no other way except Jesus. Look at what Paul told Timothy there is one God. There's not many gods. We can't say, "Well, I've got the same God. We just call Him by a different name." No, there is one God. Manifest in God the Father, God the Son Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, and man, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself up as a ransom for all people. There's only one mediator between to holy God and then and man Jesus. And then ultimately, okay, so Jesus makes these claims. He makes these truth claims. Again, they're religious people, that they rejected him. So he makes these claims. How does he confirm the claim? Just what Paul said. He would give his life as a ransom for all people, not just some people. He would go on to die a horrific death on the cross after being beaten beyond recognition taking our sins upon himself because he loves you that much? Why would he do it? Because of this great love, knowing that there's no other way to salvation except through what he would do. So he confirmed it by his death on the cross. The second confirmation, and the most important confirmation, is that he rose from the dead. If he had stayed in the grave the disciples would have rejected it. He said, this is false. You've been believing a, false, a lie and let's go about and just do whatever we're going to do. But he rose from the dead like he said he would. And so it wasn't just his death, but his resurrection that he defeated death so that we could have life even when we die from this life. So he died and he rose to confirm his claims and his promises. And so... When he says, "Do not let your heart be troubled, because I am the way, the truth, and the life." No other religion in the world has that claim. There isn't a bunch of names by which we are saved. There isn't several mediators between God and mankind. Buddha isn't your mediator before God. He didn't die for you. Muhammad isn't our mediator before God. He did not die for you. The Hindu gods—they didn't mediate before God and die for us. Humanism cannot mediate before God and get us there. Relativism can't get us to God. Our own version of the truth cannot save us. There's only one God. God came down in human form and the man Jesus Christ and He came on a rescue mission because He loved us and He saved us. He died and He rose from the dead so that we could have eternal life. All other religions, all so-called ways to heaven, basic Based it all on works. Right? It's based on works. You get yourself to heaven by good works. They're in a constant state of trying to work their way to God, and it won't work. They are bridges to try to bridge the chasm of sin and death, and they are bridges that lead to nowhere. No matter how hard they work, no matter how sincere they are. friend in Tennessee named Adam. He was a former Muslim that converted to Christianity. They were our next door neighbors and he was training to be a pastor. He was already to with church. And they asked him about the Muslim faith and what they believe, and and and, and, uh, and so he really feels like his his mission is to go. Uh, he you know he's going to hopefully pastor in inner cities where there's Muslim populations and reach out Muslims with people on the problems, He said because he could basically boil down to this. He said the Muslim city, city, it's a scale, and your good works are always trying to outweigh the bad works, and he said constantly. It's always, it's constantly a torment because he said, if you ask him, he said, I always engage him. He said, well, how are you doing? And they said, I can always do better. He said, I've never heard any of them say, I'm, 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 I'm perfectly right before God. I can always do better. I'm always trying. See, you know, we're given the law. The law is a mirror, right? And the law is imperfect because Christ is the protection between the fulfill the law. It doesn't mean we get rid of the law. It means that Christ fulfill the law. But the law is a mirror. And the mirror, when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you look bad, don't blame it the mirror. It's not the mirror's fault. You can't duck you down and stand back up and it's going to be different i like going to the bridge and looking, and there's nothing to eat. Then you say, and well, then you come back five minutes and you look again, right? Maybe something grew in The law was a mirror. The law shows you your flaws, it shows you where you've fallen short. Because, so, because sin brought like brokenness, and so the law was there, and that was why we have an Old Testament. The law was there to say, Here's a mirror, and it reveals that you're broken. It reveals that you fall short. It reveals that you can't get there on your own, no matter how much you, you obey the law. And no matter how much you try to make adjustments, and that's why all the other religions in the world are always trying to make those adjustments. That's what you see in the they're bowing, they're praying, they're, they're doing they're it, doing, and they do it out of religious repetition, religious repetition. Even the Jews who have rejected Christ, you see, it's a wailing wall. You see, the Muslims will go in and, and bow and bow and bow and bow, and if we're not careful, are even too We can do our own version of words, we try to get ourselves there in good works and being nice and being nice. Heaven isn't for nice people. Heaven isn't for good people. Heaven is for forgiven people can't do enough good things, so we can have our own form of that. So these religions are always constant. When we were in China last year in March when we got outside and uh, we, we were able to go to this place and let uh, do there and there was uh, some outdoor parks, but also there was an outdoor food temple. And our guide said, We're going to walk through that. Let's just see, just kind of be quiet. And and, and and you walk through, and there's all these people, and there's different idols, and there's different posts, and there's incense burning. And, and you just see, and it's heartbreaking because you see this kind of to appease this God. Somehow, and I was, saw this old man, and he was down and bowed, bowed, stand up and waves this stuff on him, bowed, boom, boom, and he just kept doing it. And Athena said he was just sort of like crying to these people. He wanted to stand up and say, "It is finished. He died on the cross. You don't have to do this anymore. You are free because of Jesus." But we couldn't stand, because we had got arrested. We barely would have been able to get home either. But we walked through a prayer for him. And just trying to help me. One day, I was driving. This was kind of funny and kind of irritating, but it really spoke to me. I'm I was in a moment. this young man in a car. it driving really, really slow. And he's looking in the mirror. So he, doing hair, so he looks down. Like, ladies, you guys get a bad rapper. I was And he just said, he just painfully slow. And if you are with me and I need to get somewhere, it's it bad when you can jog alongside side of it do Come on, what are you doing, man? That's what, that's what I thought bre- i did. do. Because he's just breaking. And breaking. And he did this for a while. And then my irritation turned out. I started laughing out loud. I'm like, this is hilarious, what's that? And it's like, and I don't know if he just got any hurt. Like, I don't know what he was doing, but I, when I got back to the fear. I thought, I said, look, this is what my visions do. They see the mirror the law. There's a revelation that I'm not good enough. And I think if you bore down deep enough into people's heart, they realize they're not good enough. There's this constant trying to make adjustments. This constant trying to, I want to be out of it. It's not going to change. It doesn't matter like how many times you do it, it doesn't fucking like work. But this is re- this is religion. All of the religions in the world are trying to somehow, maybe I'll look different, maybe I'll feel better, maybe, and it it's constant. doesn't matter. And that's what my friend Alan, who was a former Muslim, said. So that's the Muslim faith. You're never doing enough. And that's all of the religions. That's why Jesus stands down. And he calls us to repent, turn from our sin, turn to him, receive his gift of life, and it's death and it's resurrected that it is sin, faith, and soul, and we can't do it by God's power. He's made it less. He's made a way to the Father. He is the way. Titus, Paul says this, When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, the love of the kindness and love of God, He saved us not because of what righteous things we have done, so Paul's saying, all of the religions, this is the whole work. He doesn't save us because they're like right to save us, but because of his mercy, he's saved us. He's a washing of rebirth, the renewal of the Holy Spirit. You can be washed, you can be clean, you can be right before God, and I don't have to try to do it myself, that he's made the way, and I surrender my life, my life into my good works. I can us, tell like i filthy rags; It'll never be good enough. This is who He poured out on us Genesis through Jesus Christ our Savior and then Ephesians 2. For it's by grace to save you. you've been saved through faith. This the not for yourself. It's a gift. It's not by works so that no one can boast. In other words, you can't brag about it. Well, I did enough good works and God accepted me. That's why most people in the world is. Do you think there's a heaven? Well, I'd like to think that. How do you did? I didn't know you did it? Well, I'm a good person. I like to think I'm a good person. And the resounding human history is, No, we're not. We're not good places. We're sinful and flawed We're broken and we're missing. Jesus is the only way to salvation. He's the only truth. He's the only place in life. No one will go to heaven outside of Him. He's the one who made this statement, and it is what we do with this. that is the good news. Again, the bad news is that we are sinners that we deserve punishment, but the good news is that He made a way for us, and we can accept and reject that. But make no mistake about it: there are not many ways. There are not many paths. There are not many streets, and we can't get there by being good enough and that's why some other religions they say well Jesus is a great teacher a great prophet and they'll acknowledge that and they make that claim the problem is he is either who he said he is or he is not because if you reject his claim that he's the only way to heaven, he can't be a good prophet he can't be a good teacher and God himself and so the matter is settled. The matter is settled. He is the way, the truth, the life. And so our job is to to believers to claim the goodness. Really, real, real, really, the to of salvation. We admit our own brokenness. We proclaim who He is, not an arrogance. Don't be prideful. Walk in humility. But it is also a loving fact that He is the only way. Jesus also cleared up who our neighbor is, right? When he gave us the good Samaritans, remember he said, love your neighbor as yourself, and the religious people said, who's our neighbor? And Jesus said, it's like the Samaritan. he gives a Samaritan, why does he give a Samaritan? Because Jesus tended to despise the Samaritans. Because the Jews at the time, you know, they could say, my neighbor is fellow Jews. My neighbor is Shane and Jill, because they believe like me and they like me. They're my neighbors. And Jesus said, no, your neighbor is also those that are even despised in society. So um, that's why Jesus said, love your neighbor, your Muslim neighbor, your Hindu neighbor, your Buddhist neighbor, your agnostic neighbor, your atheist neighbor, your homosexual neighbor. So those are your neighbors. Love them. serve them. Show them Jesus. He is the only way, but don't proclaim it in arrogance. Proclaim it in humility. Love them. And as the believers, we should love them, we should honor them, we should treat them with dignity and respect. Jesus, that's how you treat your neighbor. And in a sense, you know, when we take people coming and say, country, God's bringing them to you. There's a governmental part to play, and we honor that, but there's also the church involved. And if they come to us, we would claim the love of Christ. We're here because God's bringing them here. Don't be motivated by fear, but by His heart. And so then it boils down to this. What will you do with the truth claims of Christ? He claimed it. He said it. Not me. These are not my words. And so what do we do with the truth claims of Christ? That He's the only way to salvation. He's the only way to eternal life. No one gets to the Father except through Him. What do you do with the true claims of Christ? What do you do that He loved you and he took your punishment of sin on Himself? What do we do with that? And again, our, our response must be that we turn to ourselves and repent. We bear our faith, our trust, and a very lives in His hands. And we walk with Him every day. And we invite others to do the same. Make no mistake about it. He made the truth plain that He is the way, the truth, and the life of no one else in the world except Him. And He also said, No one else in the world. And Lord, a prayer for those who belong to Him. You now, Jim, come you up. Know, we're going to receive communion together. And I you know I went a little longer. I'm trying not to so go too long, but this one was our two important message for you. Me light of all the things that are happening in the world, our culture, Um, I think that we need to be equipped and we need to know God is saying, we're going to end our time with the